Culture Dumps. Welcome to Culture Dumps. Today we are doing something a little different. We like to throw in these bonus episodes every so often for you folks. Uh, this is someone that we've been wanting to talk to for a while. We're talking to Sean Beard today. He is known as the Beavis and Butthead Collector. Very, very interesting guy with a very, very expansive collection of Beavis and Butthead memorabilia. And he not only acquires these things, but has taken upon himself to become somewhat of a historian, if not the historian on the subject. Um, some, in some cases, as you'll find, uh, he knows more about this stuff than the people that created it uh, in, in certain instances. And it's, it's really just amazing. I, I love talking to collectors, especially people that take their collections as seriously and go as in-depth as, as he does. So this episode is going to be a lot about Beavis and Butthead. There's a little South Park in there. And it, it's really just a, a great uh, record of some early 90s pop culture stuff, uh, controversy. There, there's a lot of stuff here. So without further ado, this is the interview with Sean Beard, the Beavis and Butthead collector. All right, folks, this is it. This is the big interview. I've been really excited to talk to this gentleman here, Sean Beard, a.k.a. the Beavis and Butthead Collector. Um, you are an insane collector. I'm a collector as well. Uh, I, I All different kinds of things, like dumb pop culture stuff, true crime stuff, things like this. But oh, cool. none of my collections are like I would I, I want to say comparable to what you have because not only do you have so much stuff but you display it so properly oh, as a you. museum employee I gotta say I'm just very impressed by your personal uh, style oh that well dude that's that's like the highest compliment right there like I uh I just I just moved to Georgia a bit ago I'm moving back to New York soon and I hate the apartment I'm in and I haven't because I care so much about decorating and displaying everything like to my liking and uh yeah, so to that I don't think I've ever gotten that compliment that it's displayed really good. So th thank well, you. That's awesome. It is because I mean, you, when you see pictures, because again, I mean, you have this amazing Instagram account, Beavis and Butthead Collector, where it's just like you show all these things, and and not only do you collect all this stuff, you know so much about it. Like you know what year it came out, what licensing it was, like all, all this different stuff that really kind of sets you apart from I would say other pop culture. Uh, collectors in that sense before we get into like the nitty-gritty why the boys why beavis and butthead oh my god dude um well i was born in 87 so the boys came out in 93 92 if we want to count liquid television but i can't pretend like i saw that i i saw it when it aired in 93 and i was like five six years old um Gosh, I guess I should just tell it. It's a good story how I first saw sure. him. How about I just get, how about I just go right yeah, into that, it. man? Like my, uh, my parents split up for a minute there in 93 and my dad moved in with like his childhood best friend, Ronnie Henning and Ronnie's living room just to set it up was a recliner, a couch, a TV, like one of those wood panel ones and a big like long bookshelf of vhs porn <laughs> and then <laughs> and then like six boxes of hustler like not playboy right, hustler, the real stuff you know what i'm saying yeah like with the fold outs like i actually remember one time they were like in the kitchen or whatever and i i like took every magazine and had the fold out like <laughs> covering the entire floor 
And uh, I mean, it's not like they were mad. I mean, it's the only thing in the fucking house. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so one time I was over and of course, Ronnie being the, the awesome guy he was, he's like, well, I'll put some cartoons on for the boys. And it, it was Beavis and Butthead. And I, uh, I just remember being kind of scared by it. I was like a Chucky Finster as a kid. Everything scared sure. me, but everything that scared me, I wanted to like, like Chucky. I, I've always been obsessed with Chucky, but he was also my biggest fear when I was a kid, but I wanted to like it. So, um, and I, and I drew a lot when I was a kid. So I remember seeing just that little bit of Beavis and Butthead and just obsessively starting to draw Beavis in particular. I remember equating him to looking like a velociraptor at that age. (laughs) Um, so anyways, I, then it's almost like Beavis and Butthead became the pop culture phenomenon, which a lot of people, you know, who weren't alive for, cannot grasp i am sure what i tell anyone younger than us nowadays uh, uh how rick and morty is now beavis and butthead was four times bigger absolutely and, yes. well, and it was controversial too like rick and morty like while there's yes. some adult leaning humor to it it's it's a little kid yeah. thing you know what i mean like in younger folks like it beavis right. and butthead yeah like i'm only a couple years younger than you like so i totally remember the whole sensation and it was like bad shit it was like a cartoon that would have a parental advisory sticker and that you're that right had the it'd, it'd be hard to explain that to someone nowadays because compared to where adult cartoons have gone since um starting with south park especially beavis and butthead is almost like good old-fashioned wholesome fun now isn't yeah. it i mean it's kind of <laughs> cute and charming i mean they fart knocker dill weed you know you might get an ass in there or something but uh if anything the, the, where beavis and butthead of course it was getting pinned for the first 20 or so episodes which really were quite controversial uh and, but they were never released on dvd so a lot of people aren't even familiar with them now but for for people who aren't aware the first few episodes they did they played with fire there was animal abuse um inhalant abuse you know not real drug use but really the kind of drugs that a kid would get in the 60s <laughs> in a small town like like woods glue and paint thinner right. and and stuff like that and anyways kids started apparently imitating it and yeah beavis and butthead was the most taboo subject for the first half of its existence i would say because by the time the movie came out i think everyone was kind of like oh i've watched it by now it's not that bad right exactly i I agree now the main thing though too and you don't really see this well i I mean i guess you bring up rick and morty which is such a good point um like the merchandising was just so crazy and you went into spencer's it was a beavis and butthead right exactly what what was like one of the first pieces that you got like maybe even before you realized that you were going to start collecting this but like like one item where you're like wow like they make this You know, it's kind of funny uh, because I always tell people what got me starting collecting was the 1994 trading cards, but I did have something before that. It was a bootleg carnival mirror, you know, where you'd pop the balloons and get one of those cheap little mirrors. And um, that was definitely the first Beavis item I have was a bootleg thing. Um, But then you remember back in the nineties, you'd have like trading card shops and stuff. And uh so you'd go into a place like that. And I remember getting a pack of those Beavis cards, just loving them. And then the next time we went in, my grandma, like the guy offered, he had the full set. Remember the dudes would compile the whole set and try and sure. sell them and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're yeah, all on so eBay. No one's buying them. 
Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about it. So, so I got the whole set from him. They didn't have the scratch and sniff cards, but that's when I think I really started becoming obsessed. I had the album, I want to say the experience and I liked the sketches on it a lot. Like when they got on Anthrax's tour bus, it was just, that, that's what I really love about Beavis and Butthead is that they, they, they could be an audio uh, show in a sense. Right. Um, not every episode per se, but a lot of them, a blind person could probably enjoy Beavis and Butthead quite easily. There's no music going on when music videos aren't playing almost all the time. So all the sound effects and motions are very audible, but sorry, I'm like trailing no, no, here. No. Uh, where, 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 where was I on that? Well, yeah, sorry, yeah, the, the, the CD, the Beavis and Butthead, ex the experience. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so then I got the trading cards, which you remember trading cards back then would like document episodes. Each episode would get its own card and stuff. And a lot of these episodes I'd never seen. And this is 1994 and it's like the show's been out for a year. And I think that created this really, this allure of like these other episodes and wanting to see them. And a lot of them I didn't end up seeing until about 1999, I bought a like 24 VHS <laughs> home recording set some dude put up and the the audio, the video looked like the squiggly channel and the audio is still pretty good so i got to hear a lot of these episodes finally and equate them to the one trading card image that i always uh like oh my god this is that episode it's i like you know movies and, in like 1910 like where like you know there's like a, <laughs> like a soundtrack <laughs> yeah. to like a, a painting the video was so bad that you couldn't read the title card on the episodes when they'd come up. I remember specifically. So you didn't even know off that. So, um, and then by the early two thousands, we had a, a computer in the house with the internet. And that's when I, uh, I, I, I started becoming a part of the King turd project and I'm very young in this story, like 14, 15. Um, and we'd be, I remember for Christmas one year, I, I wanted like the cables so that you could get your VHS tape onto your computer. And me and a few other dudes, one of them was in Germany. I think the dude who really started the King Turd collection was a guy in Germany. Um, but they had, no one's talked to him for years. The projects always almost exceeded him. For those who don't know, the King Turd collection is a fan compilation of everything that MTV and Mike Judge will never put on DVD. You know this, I assume. Uh, well, I, yeah. I didn't know it was called that, but I do know like that the music videos per se aren't included on a lot of the official releases, um, like or, or at least all of them. You know, like you might get say ten music yeah. videos on like the Mike Judge collection or something, right. but there's like hundreds. Right. Of them, you know, <laughs> like there, there's and there's so much stuff right. plus all their commercials and spots and everything that they did. You know. Yeah. And a lot of those fire references were taken out of episodes because of the controversy. And so like a lot of those, when you get this collection, when you'll watch it, um, if all of a sudden Beavis is flicking his lighter, you could tell that all of a sudden it cuts to a VHS quality recording of it. Cause that's all that exists, right. you know? So, uh, yeah. So then it, from there, man, I mean, whenever I would get something as a kid, I would keep it and hold on to it. Beavis, I mean, my room around that time, I had posters on the wall. You know, my mom had a Tommy pull my finger shirt. Uh, if you ever seen I have, that one. I actually have seen that. And, and, but, but really, and this, this answer is dragging the fuck out, but I think all the, everything I just said obviously matters, but really what it was, was around 94 when my mom started watching Beavis and Butthead with me. 
And obviously, as I told you, they were parents splitting up and all that shit was kind of awkward in the household. And my mom is a very like she has a Minnesotan accent, even though we're from New York and she's just like really charming and like sweet. And all of a sudden we're watching Beavis and Butthead and she's laughing at this real cynical humor. Like she's in tears. And, and I think it really humanized her, you know, at that age. And, uh, and I mean, when I got my first Beavis and Butthead tattoo, I remember her being like, did you get that for me? And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. you know, so, so really it's, it's a big sentimental connection with my mom, you know, big big thing there. That's beautiful. I, you know, I mean, and that's kind of how it was with my dad. Like, I remember it was like, you know, MTV was always kind of like the, like sometimes I was allowed to watch it. Sometimes I wasn't like Beavis and Butthead. Sometimes I'm allowed to watch it. Sometimes I wasn't. But then my dad got the book, uh, the one that had the remote control and, Oh yeah, this uh, yeah yeah love that. Yeah, book. and I remember being like like well this is a toy like why can't I play with it? And so he gave it to me. And then after once I got the book and like it was mine now, then I was just allowed to watch it whenever I wanted. And what I find really interesting is like you were saying that like it could be an audio thing and people could still enjoy it. But what I find fascinating is that it was books too. Like there were so many books and they were great. You're so all you really need to know is the voices and the laughs if you've heard them once you can get through those books and read it exactly how it's supposed to be read that is so true it's amazing how diverse i suppose you could say those characters were because you're damn right man their books which they released like six of them that were like real like you could tell they put a lot of fucking effort into them they are hilarious yeah they are so funny they're at times a little better than the show because they could get away with things that you wouldn't want to see on the show. Like just their crossover mashups, them like, you know, dressed as Dracula and stuff is always hilarious, but it wouldn't really fit being in an episode type thing because the show's so grounded. So it's, yeah, those, those books are perfect. I love yeah, them. Yeah, like my favorite one was the butt files where it's just like them like exploring paranormal shit. And like, Me yeah, and like one yeah. was like Anna yeah. Nicole yeah. Smith's thingies. Like what's so great yeah, about the thingies? Yeah. I remember there's like a, there's like a clockwork orange parody in there. Oh, I remember the one that made me laugh to tears. This was like a really good night in my life. Actually. I would just gotten the butt files and there was a new episode of Beavis and Bud on. We were in Michigan visiting family. Cause I have a uh, family out towards Detroit area. And, um, that butt files has that Jurassic park parody, yeah. which doesn't, it doesn't have Beavis and Bud in it, but it has the two guys. And he's like, He's the T-Rex is there and he's like, I have to scratch my nads. It really itches. And he's like, don't do it. It's based on movement. And he's like, oh, but I have to. And the next frame is just like the T-Rex eating both of them and like hurling them in the air. And my God, how old am I at this fucking story? Like eight or nine. And I just remember like laughing so hard that my stomach hurt, you know, and you're trying not to pass out, you know, that laugh, right? I mean, that, that shit. And then like, I remember the travel log where it was a guide to each of the 50 States and it, and like, I remember I could read like, cause they would have all the best cities of every state, but it was all like, but, like fucking like, yeah, innuendos, like, yeah, eagle just, balls, just like yeah, just yeah. Like, shit like that, and then it would make me laugh so hard. And when I found your page on Instagram, like I was like. Like my first reaction, I'm sure you get this all the time where people try and stump you where I was just like, oh, I, I wonder if he has like 
the book. So then the, yeah. your next post is like, here's five copies of every fucking book. Or it's like, you know yeah, what I mean? It's like, yeah, here it is in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Now, and, and that's one of the interesting things about your collection too, is you have all these imports, like in these foreign things. Is there a big difference yeah. between like, like were they allowed like overseas to show like some of the stuff that they were pulling from America, like the fire stuff and the inhalants? Was that being shown overseas or was that taken out too? Yeah. Um, we okay so that would go down to like the home video releases around that time in america we got 11 but in other countries australia exclusively got 28 volumes which compiles all but two episodes i don't know why we didn't get all of them but um there's one that was released in almost every other country that's called too dumb for tv and it has the the Mexico episode with the smuggling the painkillers, and uh, Stewart's house with them uh, sniffing the the stove gas. And these episodes are completely unedited on this tape. Um, so, yes, they would get exclusive stuff if anything. They wouldn't get something that was like, we got it too, but their version has this or something, right. you know. We we have episode tapes over here where those early episodes are edited and their copies are edited too. But other countries did get that one tape where it's just like, I'm like getting a stiffy just talking about that tape, honestly, man, you know? Right. Well, because I mean, it's crazy. And it, and there is so much stuff there. Now, uh, we got to get into to the merch. Like, I mean, just offhand, do you know how many pieces you have? Like, do you keep track like that? No, not anymore. I did at one point. And the notepad file, like the the computer crashed, and that was like 2015. And I've had to like tripled the fucking collection since then. So it's like I I have no idea. Um, and there's just so many knickknacks. I mean, God, if I just like counted up every keychain and button, we'd be in the hundreds. Right. You know. Well, one one interesting so. thing that uh, I found, like that I've learned about your collection through following you on Instagram, is that. You know, you, you do have like, yeah, like you said, like keychains and buttons and little things, but it, for the most part, it's like licensed stuff. But I remember you posting something that you yeah. don't really get into the T-shirts as much, um, like, like you yeah. don't focus on, on yeah. collecting the T-shirts. Why is that? I don't know. I, I, I am a cartoon character. I have two outfits, <laughs> you know, and uh, if you ever noticed that, um, and, it, and that second outfit just came in the last year, I had one outfit for like 15 years. Um, I just don't care about clothes. And I, I have a lot of the 1993 shirts cause those are so fresh. They really are, but I'm not the type of person who would ever wear them. And I don't find clothing very displayable. Right. So I, I put it into the category of like closet collecting, but it's a very expensive thing to collect because a lot of those vintage shirts have become very valuable. Yeah. Um, and thankfully I got all of mine long before that, but I could also, I could resell them and, and make my, and, and so I just don't care about clothes too much. And what's funny is that's usually the items that seem to really impress people is when you post like a 1993 shirt, everyone flips out and I'm just like, it's a fucking shirt. You know, it's like, I got a, I got a fucking 
toilet bowl over yeah, there. Yeah, see, I, I think it's the utility there. of a shirt. Like, like, oh, I, I could actually wear this like rare thing. Totally. You know what I mean? That kind of excites totally. people. But also with with collecting, like, if you were to get into the t-shirts, now you're dealing in like strict bootleg world. You know, because anyone could have made a yeah. fucking t-shirt. So it's like, while there is really funny, yeah. cool ones, they're not. It's not real merch per se. But now when you talk about a toilet yeah. bowl or like a phone or the toilet paper holder or like a- any of that stuff, I mean, that's fucking crazy oh, yeah. shit. Like, what are some of like the weirdest items where you're like, wow, they fucking made this. Well, they were mainly made in Japan, I noticed. But yeah, there's the the Cornholio tissue box uh, holder where the tissues pull out of Cornholio's mouth. And that's just amazing because and then there's a Cornholio toilet roll dispenser. And both of these are plushies. Um, We had no Cornholio dolls made in America, but Japan makes two and makes them functional. Fucking beats me, man. as far as like really random shit though it's kind of matter of opinion i think the soccer ball is random i always joke that the only reason they did it is because some guy was like well we can put we're gonna score on it and they were like oh Oh, yeah 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 yeah. but like i have beavis and butthead aftershave um god i'm like looking around i started packing recently because i'm going back soon but like, what kind of like well i mean i guess I'm, I'm like looking at him and you're looking at one too but i was about to say what kind of guy is like big night out like better throw on some of that beavis and butthead after shame <laughs> well it kind of fits if you could picture spencer's in 96 it was gag gifts galore you sure. know like if it wasn't beavis and butthead it was something you got for someone to let them know that you think you're funny yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's so, so. That's hilarious. It's like, I got you a, a birthday card. I got you a birthday card. There's a fat chick on yeah. it. I'm hilarious. Right. You know, it's like, that was, that was Spencer. So, so I feel like I got you aftershave, but Beavis and Bud's on it, like falls into that category. But uh, the toilet seat's awesome. But honestly, it, like there's toilet paper. But I mean, as random as we could say that is, I mean, that's like, that's what Beavis and Butthead merchandise should be, you know? Uh, So, um, but like those giant bot bags I have, things like that, I think are really the more, the more random. Cause it's like, why did they make something that big, you know, or because as much as I, you know, if you look up the guy with the largest Simpsons collection, before you look up mine, you're going to be like, well, this guy obviously doesn't have the world's largest Beavis and Butthead collections. People don't understand that it was really just four years of merchandising. And then over the years, we'd get little spurts, you know? Right. So, I mean, you could fill a room with this collection. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong. And it took a lot of years to find all of it because it is kind of obscure and no one else was looking for it. So there was no demand for people to try to sell it. And then I, if you've seen from the collection, it got to the point where I had the stuff. So now I want the store displays that held these items, you know, or um, there's like, 20 dolls exclusive to japan um some of them in their burger world outfits i mean japan really fucking hit a home run and i didn't find out about that stuff till probably five years ago and it it took me about four years to find you know i'd find pictures and then i'd hope it would pop up someday and then it would and um yes it's i think it's been a really fun thing to collect because no one else cared until i made my instagram and then it inspired a few other people to collect um 
but thankfully is not too much competition because I have most yeah, of it. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, they, like, it, it, you'd yeah. be hard-pressed to catch up well, to it's you. One of, well, it's one of those things, though. Shout out to Luca. Luca has one fucking item. Kid's got, like, 50 Beavis items, and then he has the one thing I need. Which is? And you know he won't sell it to me because he gets off on fucking being like, oh, I thing. got the rarest item in the fucking world right here, and it's a fucking toothbrush. Oh, that's um, cool, though. <laughs> yeah, I offered him three hundred bucks for that fucking toothbrush, and the kid, you know, you know that he was just like, well, that was just you offering me that was worth three hundred alone, you know. God, <laughs> yeah. was like, never gonna get that toothbrush, you son of a bitch. I know you're gonna watch well, this or you, listen. You've also taken uh, though. I mean, like, uh, like besides like a collector that might have like the one thing that you don't have, you kind of have a leg up on other like enthusiasts of the boys because you've had contact with people that were like integral to the show. You know what I mean? like you you've interviewed yeah. Yeah. like creators and animators and, and and things like that who is someone that that you yeah. spoke with that was like holy shit like i'm getting some serious insight here um christopher brown who at this point i i consider a friend he he was the head writer in the 90s and he also wrote a few episodes in the 2011 season and um i'm hoping some of the new series coming out uh, might be some of his episodes as well. But I, I interviewed him. Fuck. That was like a three hour interview. You're a real fan of Beavis and Buddy if you get through this interview, but it truly is informative as shit. I, I feel like I got to ask him every question that six year old me ever wondered and, you know, and, and there were only a few things, but at the same time, he'll joke about how I know more than him. Right. So it was just like, <laughs> well, cause you're but, on the uh, outside looking in, you know, whereas he was like the, yeah, the inside out and, and creating it. Right. Well, I was like, I was like, there was a contest winner to get put into an episode. Uh, you know, is it the girl from the last episode? And he, he's like, I never even heard of that, you know? And then he ended up showing me like a listing of every episode that would have been used for the writers back in the day. And I'm looking at it and sure enough, there's an asterisk at the bottom of the last episode that says the name of the girl. And it says contest winner will be an episode. And I'm like, dude, the answer's right there. And he's like, Oh yeah. never noticed yeah. that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, um, I mean, but like, um, Yvette Kaplan, she was the supervising director. Um, honestly it, it's people ask me what's it what's the favorite part of your collection all the time and stuff like that and it's like man the fact that i can tell you this right now is pretty goddamn amazing isn't it like these items are all great but like when my dad died you know a few months ago christopher brown called me yvette called me you know um and the fact that anyone cares this much like i've have i get messages all the time from people that are just like bummed but for some reason seeing me like collect their favorite show too and it's like it's my favorite show but i just love that there's someone out there so obsessed with it and it makes me happy and it's just like man that's it's just so cool that this you know borderline borderline yeah. this obsession yeah, this total blatant <laughs> obsession <laughs> Borderline. <laughs> feel like being nice to yourself today, do you, yeah. Sean? Um. <laughs> well, I, but I know what you mean, though. Like when you're when you get so excited to talk to someone like that was involved in this passion project, and then you kind of end up like knowing more than them just because you've been keeping up with it. Because my, my other show, uh, Podcast Ninety Nine, where we just 
dove into Woodstock 99, you know, over si like 60 plus episodes. And we're interviewing people that went and every time I'm like, and did you do this? And did you do that? They're like, eh, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, I yeah. totally, I, I totally understand that. Um, now, one of the things I wanted to ask you, cause I know that you, you were working for an animation gallery that dealt with like MTV stuff and Nickelodeon and, and all that, all that classic stuff. What, just briefly, what's an animation cell and what are some of the best animation cells you have, or at least just one that you're like, I own this. Oh boy. Um, well the animation cells themselves are your hand painted characters. And now let's just dumb it down as if no one gets sure. it. Animate animation is a flip book. You would have to draw 24, uh, frames of motion to get one second of animation out of a character. You know, the arms moves up, you have to draw every frame of it moving up. Then they would be placed over, in most cases, hand-painted watercolor backgrounds, and it would just be filmed in sequence matching up to the audio track. Uh, what we deal in is all of the production art used to make the episode right down to the actual cells and backgrounds that were that you see on TV. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, did I do that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now yeah. I tried explaining it to my family and I couldn't even do it. So I wish I would have fucking had that answer oh. then. <laughs> like, so what are you, what are you doing, Shawnee? I think he made Beavis now. I'm like now grandma, <laughs> God, shut up. Yeah, no, I did I did not yeah, make yeah. Beavis now. Yeah, so old and stupid. So to me, oh. it always seems like an animation cell is kind of like, one of the best things you could get if you're collecting anything having to do with animation, because that's actually the piece. Like, yeah, that's what was on screen, man. Yeah. So yeah. What, what, like what, what one of any you have where you're like, this is the iconic piece. Um, well, I have the very first shot of them ever eating nachos. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's with the master background. All of mine have the master background. Sometimes when you collect animation cells, because it's one background per hundreds of cells, people will just make a hundred copies of that background so that it can be, you know, sequenced out and everyone can still have the background. So when I say I have the master background, it means I have pretty much the master setup. I've <laughs> mastered. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, the first shot of them eating nachos, I have Beavis setting the newspapers on fire from the episode Comedians, which they say, you know, inspired the little boy there. Tell, tell me about that. Um, when was that? And, and what was the deal with that? Um, was it was October the 5th or 6th, 1993 in Moreno, Ohio. A little boy was playing with matches and burnt his trailer down and his mom said that he was imitating beavis and butthead and his he was five and his two or three-year-old sister died in the fire and that's how it's been painted since we were kids and it, that sparked the controversy they had to get rid of all references to fire in the show a lot of the masters to those scenes i believe are gone um and I mean, the, the full circle story is about five or six years ago. Now I ended up contacting the kid who's my age. Um, and it took him a year to the day to reply to me that I messaged him, which was very odd. And he pretty much told me to get lost, you know, contact my mom, you know, and I, and I explained, I was like, no, no, I'm a huge nerd for Beavis and Butthead. Same age as you. I remember when this happened because one thing I never tell on interviews is that the impact of Beavis and Butthead on my personal life growing up and just to 
get that quick because I don't really want to go into it. But because the show became so taboo after that, I my parents were threatened that I would get taken away from them and put into social services Jesus. if I wasn't if I wasn't forced to go into counseling because I had seen the show and I was wearing the shirts and my parents had allowed me to watch it. And this turned into a like years of me going to counseling and therapy to the point where I was like a suicidal eight year old. And they're like, why are you suicidal? And I'm like, because I'm being forced into counseling. Cause I watched my favorite cartoon and they're like, tis the show that is to blame. Right. You yeah. Know? So, wow. Jesus. So it, it, it was, it was heavy. So it kind of psychologically makes sense that I would have grown up to be the Beavis and Butthead guy because it was the, my favorite thing when I was a kid and because of reactionary adults, I was, you know, it was tried to take away from me and my parents almost lost me and everything like that. So, you know, I explained that to him and then he ended up giving me the real story, which was that he had never seen Beavis and Butthead and still hasn't. Um, they lived in a trailer. They, you know, you didn't live in a trailer and have cable in 1993, no. man. Cable was expensive. Back when trailers were trailers. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> None of this double wide yeah. shit. Get out of here. Oh, my God. No. no, these are the people that went on Springer and like Springer had to pay for the ride yeah. in. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm good at with that. But uh, so, yeah, he had never seen the show. His mom, um, she called the news before the fire department oh, uh, wow. makes total fucking sense. She blamed him for it to him all the years. You know, she was hoping to get a lawsuit, sue MTV, all that. Um. And then he emancipated himself at 15 and, you know, never looked back. And he's a fucking awesome guy. Awesome guy. I'm really honored to call him a friend. And it's, 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 um, you know, I, I didn't come out with this story for a while. And then eventually he got a hold of me and said, you know, talking to me is what gave him closure. Like he finally accepted it wasn't his, because I told him, I was like, dude, little boys play with fire. Your fucking dumbass mom's leaving a lighter out. Yeah, fucking play with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, fine, you know? yeah, and and also, yeah. I mean, that's so interesting what you say because I've always heard this story. You know what I mean? And like, also through your yeah. page, like every once in a while, you'll post like, oh, it's the anniversary of this, or here's a a little clip yeah. from the news, you know, about this. And hearing yeah. all that, it, it really does kind of lend because throughout time, there's been so many like so much blame placed on pop culture, you know what I mean? And we see that with any, any, any tragedy, especially in America, like people like to point towards video games or TV shows or whatever. No, yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Lincoln park did cause Columbine. <laughs> um, just don't <I'm> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, I know everything about that. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you I was like, now you get into my realm. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. But, see, this is why it should be a video podcast. So people could have seen your face right yeah. there. You were like, what, dude? <laughs> um, fucking but shit. also, I mean, I, uh, don't no. you feel like in a way that when you do connect with someone like that, that you're kind of a, like, that's an, that's almost like an acquisition into your collection. Like just getting this knowledge yeah. is like a piece. Like if you could put it mm -hmm. on a shelf, you would, but instead it's, it just lives well, in your mind, you know, and you have the closure and the knowledge that many people don't, you know, until now with you, you know, telling it. Yeah, because now, of course, all the creators have heard this story, including Mike Judge and, you know, because he follows my Instagram and we've talked briefly, you know, through that. And uh, yeah, I mean, Chris especially said that it was huge closure for him. And it's, uh, you know, so like I said, kid got a hold of me and he's not a kid anymore. We're not kids anymore, are we? Right. Yeah, we are. <laughs> We're talking about Beavis and Butt in our 30s. <laughs> ah! my dirty, dirty, nasty, all heart. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he wanted me to come out with the story so that the creators could have closure. And he said, you know, that I was his closure and accepted that it wasn't his fault. And he's completely moved on. And then he realized that the creators deserve closure too. And, and so it was a full circle thing there. It's one of the proudest, most surreal things of my life that I could even say, I picture myself being five or six, you know, and, and the controversy happening. And then I picture all those years later talking to him yeah. and it's just like, wow. Um, I've really, I've really, uh, dwelled on this. Yeah. Well, it's amazing though. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, shit, this was worth the price of admission for the whole interview right now. Just, just hearing this story and hearing that connection. Now, I didn't charge you. Yeah, well, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, the, the price the, no, the admission being, the, being the effort, uh, which there is very little of, uh, all I had to do was ask you and you're a nice enough guy. So now you also like, I mean, while you do have this insane Beavis and Butthead collection, obviously you, you also collect South park, which, you know, is that that's yeah. more, I mean, cause again, I, I'm just two years younger than you. And I like South park was like, for me, it was the Beavis and Butthead thing because it was like, okay, like you can have right. a, Beav or you can have a South park hat, but you can't wear it to school and you can't tell anyone that you yeah. watch it. Don't, don't yeah. quote this show at school. And yeah. so like me and my one friend that was allowed uh -huh. to watch it too. Like that was like our special thing. Cause we knew that no other kids could, could watch it. Uh, yeah. do you feel like there was more controversy sur surrounding South park in the early days or Beavis and Butthead? That's an awesome question. This is also my favorite topic of discussion, just 90s uh, reactionary and censorship and stuff. Sure. Can I just say? Uh, um, well, once South Park came out, I had to turn my a new T-shirt inside out at school every day. <laughs> And I and and uh, and I had to get put go back to counseling. So uh, so South Park definitely had its controversy. I wouldn't I wouldn't compare it to Beavis because Beavis was blamed for deaths. And sure, and yeah. the, I think that made people far more reactionary. The, the reaction to South Park was. It was there. But I feel like after the Beavis thing people were kind of like rolling their eyes a little more at people who were trying to pull this card again. Yeah. Um, I also have a theory. I believe this theory um, that the South park movie, the 99 movie is an homage to Beavis and Butthead. Um, the early days of South park seasons one, two um, Terrence and Philip were definitely Beavis and Butthead. That's it's the same color scheme. They have TP for the initials, uh, two characters farting on a couch, you know, um, and in the South Park movie, when they go to see the Terrence and Phillip movie, uh, Kenny imitates them playing with fire, which that's leads to his very, death. Very, very on point, And I will stand by that. Yeah. That's wow. That's super fucking yeah. interesting. Uh, and I mean, some yeah. could say that Beavis and Butthead, you know, ran so that South Park could walk. <laughs> you know what I mean? I 100 percent agree with that. Uh, Matt and Trey probably would, too. They have said that Beavis and Butthead was one of their biggest influences. And one of the best compliments I've ever heard Beavis and Butthead get, uh, they said that Beavis and Butthead is like the blues. It's the same thing over and over again, and it's always good. Yeah. And I, I, I want to tear up just, you know, think of that because that is so, so true. Um, but even right down to that, of course, then the parents scapegoat blaming Terrence and Philip. Of course, it gets a little more blown out of proportion. They go to war with Canada. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the end, when Kenny takes off his hood and says goodbye, you guys, that is voiced by Mike Judge. Oh, wow. 
That's yes. well, fuck. That's a fucking great fact right there. And Mike Judge, I mean, yeah. he's just gone on to do it's. It's almost funny because it's like Beavis and Butthead was so iconic, but like you could say that most of uh, like Mike Judge's other work is a lot more intellectual. You know what I mean? Like like or like a lot more like I, I would yeah. say visionary. Like King of the Hill is so much more expansive and like I I, I would say that it's more intellectual because it cares that you think that way i think beavis and butthead is just as intellectual but it didn't care if you notice right. <laughs> that's that that's how i would say it actually because i would argue that, that beavis and butthead was a very very smart show it just was smart enough to not care if you noticed and i think that's what i love everything mike judge has done besides the proud family just like all of us <laughs> um <laughs> But there's something so there's something so genuine about Beavis and Butthead in that the case that it just if you got it or not. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I King of the Hill, I always say, is arguably a better show. Makes me cry. Oh, Very yeah, beautiful. It's yeah. It's, it's one of the greatest shows ever. But it's well written in a way where you walk away noticing that it was well written. Right. Beavis and Butthead. Um, like. I feel like because when they came out with the new ones, right? And so now, like the two thousand what eleven, yes. what was it? Yes. So when those came out, it was like it, it was too well written. Well, I could go into it with being like an adult, you know what I mean, and being like, okay, like fresh face, like let's like I'm not watching something from the '90s as an adult. I'm watching something made right now, and I thought it was it was sure. hilarious. But I, again, there was there was well, a difference, it. you know what I mean? But. For them, like yeah. when, when they're watching, uh, I thought the most brilliant thing they did was instead of having them do music videos, which they did, but they also had them watch the MTV yeah. television shows. And when Beavis is yes, watching the true the, life ones, yeah, and, the true uh, life oh porn God, is so the funniest good. fucking thing ever, where he's like, porn, porn, oh, porn. Hey, you know, I actually, you know, what? I'm going to tell this story on here because it, it'll never get any light of day otherwise. We go back to where we were talking about, but you, you're familiar of my podcast, Late Night Morning Wood, where I've interviewed people from Beavis and Bud. I got messaged by the porn guy from oh, True Life. Oh, no way. Dude, that's someone that we yeah. would have on culture dumps. That's like a culture dump. True Life is a culture no, dump. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because, because okay, so hear my yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, <all right>. okay, <laughs> okay. He gets a hold of me, and he's like, hey, I see that you collect Beavis and Butthead. Do you want to buy my autograph? <laughs> and I'm like, no. But I would love to interview you. And he's like, yeah, sure. So I get him on and I'm all like, dude, this is going to be awesome. I went and got a cigar <laughs> so I could like, you know, keep, keep it luxurious sure. like he does. And he gets on and he's just, I'm like, yeah, I got a cigar. So we keep it luxurious. He's like, oh man, I'm an actor. Like uh, that, that was all phony. Like um, I wasn't addicted to porn. I didn't live with my grandma. And, um, but I did quit acting after that because I feel like I peaked and I'm a DJ <laughs> and he wanted to like start talking about being a DJ and stuff. And man, I felt like I was trying to get off the fucking interview with this guy for two hours. Turns out it was 12 minutes. It was a long 12 <laughs> minutes. Uh, so no, you do not want to interview this guy. I asked him, the, I was like, well, what was it like when you first saw that you got it on Beavis? Cause, cause in the background of one of the shots, you can see that he has the Mike judge collections on DVD. Sure. I remember thinking that the first time, like, Oh, he was a fan and he got on the show and he was very much like, yeah, I'm a fan. I got on the show, but man, he just, that, that, that interview sucked. I will never upload that. That's a better story than it is an interview. Yeah. Well, Hey, <laughs> I mean, you saved me a, a bunch of time. You yeah, saved I, me 12 I minutes. Just did. I saved you 12 minutes that would have felt like two hours, <laughs> man. 
<laughs> That's amazing. Well, uh, I think uh, I, I, th I think we're we're covering it here. So real quick, why don't you go ahead and, and let us know where we can see your stuff? What are your two accounts, your South Park account, your Beavis account and uh, anything else you got going on? Go ahead and plug it. Oh, all that shit, man. Well, I'm uh, Beavis and Butthead Collector on Instagram. And if you guys care about South Park, uh, 90s dot South Park, uh, that's on Instagram. And um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't need to plug anything. I'm just, you know, happy to talk about Beavis and Butthead with yeah, you. Yeah, well, you know, I, and I know that you're also uh, part of the fam, you know, whoop, whoop. And uh, oh, whoop, whoop. Hey, whoop, and, whoop, Ninja. Hey, you recognize what this is from, by the way? I know people can't see this. Do you recognize this from the original chicken hunting oh video? Oh, my God. He wears that. I don't know. Yeah, if you didn't say like, it, I would have never got be, it. Yeah. You got to be an old school juggalo to fight that, to notice that shit. That's for <laughs> sure, right? But like, hell well, yeah. I, I feel awesome. like our yeah. paths will cross again because uh, I'm, I'm sensing yeah. a kindred uh, spirit thing happening here. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely, man. We'll have to share a nice uh, champagne filled with Fago. Yeah, yeah ex exactly. Yeah. Uh, light on the champagne, heavy on the Fago. Uh, so <laughs> we will talk to you soon, Sean, man. Thanks you so much. I just met in a glass, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Keep it luxurious. Uh, Hey, whoop, whoop, man. Much love. All righty, y'all. I'll talk to you soon. What an interesting and concise fellow that Sean is. Very, very pleased to have had him on the show. So we will be back to our normal dumps, uh, you know, maybe either later this week or or the next week. We got good stuff coming, coming for you. We're entering a new year here, a whole new year of dumps. Who knows what that will bring but make sure you follow us on Instagram at Culture Dumps. If you have a suggestion for a dump or a comment on an episode, maybe a correction or something, we're never too proud to hear that stuff and critiques and all that. You can email us at culturedumps at gmail.com. I'm Ryan Lichten. Keep on dumping.